Happy Mother's Day to all. And it's also a reminder for us that, uh, you know, uh, children sometimes uh, for moms can create a, a wilderness, right? Uh, and that's what we've been talking about over these weeks. We've been uh, having wilderness moments. We understand we're in a wilderness experience right now of, of being here and not totally up the, up the road yet. And uh, we also acknowledged over these last couple of weeks that, um, hey, we all experience wilderness moments. Uh, in our life, and if you remember the last couple of weeks, we've centered really on on uh, one person who has been kind of our guide so far uh, in the wilderness experience, uh, and that person, of course, has been Moses. Thank you. One person was listening over the last two weeks. I appreciate that. Good job. He gets an A, gold star. It wasn't a mom though, but anyway, um, yeah, Moses. We were really focusing on Moses, right? The last couple of weeks, the way God worked with Moses uh, in the wilderness, and looking at that experience and applying it to our experience of every day, and when those wildernesses come. And uh, today, I thought we would we would do the same thing, only take a step backwards a bit, uh, because like all of us, Moses had a mom, right? And that's the common reality for all of us in the room, that uh, not everybody in the room is a mom, but all of us uh, had a mom. I'm right, correct? Yeah, okay, just checking if there wasn't anything else going on. But anyway, yeah, all of us uh, had a mom. And so today I want to look at the experience of uh, where Moses comes from. Uh, And it shouldn't surprise us to learn about the strength and the courage that Moses displays because he comes by it honestly. And we're going to see that as we look at his mom. You ready? The truth of the matter is his mom was also a person who experienced her own kind of wilderness. Okay, Let me describe for you and, and set the stage for the kind of wilderness that uh, Moses' mom uh, grew up in. First of all, you need to remember that, that the people of Israel were down in Egypt. And remember, they went down in Egypt originally because there was a great famine. And so they went down in, in, into Egypt, and there was a guy second to Pharaoh named Joseph. Remember him? Yeah, and Joseph was the guy who was a Hebrew that God used to uh, deliver not only Egypt from the great famine, but to also preserve God's own people. And so the Israelites went down into Egypt and they lived under the protection and the benefit of Joseph. And we know that as they lived there, God lived with them and they prospered. So much so that if we go uh, into uh, Exodus and pick it up, it says, many years later, a new king came to power. He did not know what Joseph had done for Egypt and he told the Egyptians... There, there are too many of those Israelites in our country, and they are becoming more powerful than we are. If we don't outsmart them, their families will creep, keep growing larger, and if our country goes to war, they could easily fight on the side of our enemies and escape from Israel. Pharaoh looks at the favor that God is putting upon the people of Israel and sees that as a threat. He understands that because God's favor is resting on the people of Israel, because they're growing, because they're prospering, they now represent an internal threat to the security of Pharaoh's rule and reign. So, not having any relationship with, uh, with Joseph, not having any tie to that experience in time, he makes a fundamental decision relative to the people of God. It says, 
the Egyptians put slave bosses in charge of the people of Israel and tried to wear them down with hard work. What's the solution? We're just going to wear them out. We're going to put them to work. We're going to make them slaves. We're going to put them in forced bondage. And we're just going to work them and work them and work them and we're just going to wear them down and wear them out. It says those bosses forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramesses where the king could store his supplies. So they put the Israelites now under the rule and the power of Pharaoh. They were no longer welcome guests in Egypt. They were now people living under a prejudice and a bondage. What's really interesting is look at verse 12. But even though the Israelites were mistreated, even though they were in this wilderness of slavery and bondage now, by the power of this world, their families grew larger. And they took over more land. How could that happen? How could it happen that now when they're in bondage, now when they're under oppression, they still seem to grow and they still seem to prosper? Simply because God's favor is still resting on his people, right? So even though the ruler of this world now has put into action a plan to get rid of the Israelites, to press down the Israelites, God still continues to bring his favor and bless his people. The oppression gets even harder. And as the oppression increases, God's people are put in the wilderness of whether they will cower to the world, to the powers of Pharaoh, or whether they will stand up for God. And we get that example in two women. In two women. Now notice right now in this text, these are simply defined as two women. Not moms, two women. Here's the plan. They're, they're women who love God more. Here's the plan. Finally, the king called Shirpa and Puya the two women who helped the Hebrew mothers when they gave birth. He told them, if a Hebrew woman gives birth to a girl, let the child live. If the baby is a boy, kill him. What's the plan? We're going to have a bunch of Hebrew slaves who are all women. We're just going to get rid of a whole generation of boys. So if, if a baby pops out of there, then kill him right away. And the mother's going to assume it's stillbirth and done. Pharaoh devises a devious plan to disguise his oppression so that he can just get rid of a whole generation of boys. It says, but the two women were faithful to God and did not kill the boys, even though the king had told them to. The king called them in again and asked, why are you letting those baby boys live? What's going on? Isn't it great that the Bible is not willing to hide the reality of the wilderness in our lives and in our world? The Bible is, is so transparent in defining and helping us understand how ugly the world can get. It doesn't hold back anything. It doesn't color code anything. It just says, this is the way it is. And these two women now face that ugliness of the world in Pharaoh. They're put in the position where Pharaoh says, look, 
you need to just do this. Who's the power of this world? Pharaoh. Who's the one that could have them killed at a snap of his finger? Pharaoh. Who's the one that could destroy their entire families? Pharaoh. Who's the one that could absolutely destroy whatever he wants, and including these two women and their whole life and their whole family and everything else that's attached to them? Pharaoh. Do you see what they put at risk? They put their lives at risk. They put everybody they're associated at risk. They put everything on the line. Why? Because they decided when they faced this wilderness of how ugly the world is, it is more important to be faithful to God than anything else. Do you see that? They just stood up and they said, look, when the wilderness comes, no matter what, what you face, no matter how harsh it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how scary it is, no matter how threatening it is, whenever the wilderness comes, the most important thing you can do is just stand up and be faithful, be faithful to God. You see, when the wilderness comes, it is so easy, it is so tempting for us to start cutting corners. The wilderness comes and it beckons us to just kind of compromise on our values, compromise on our beliefs, compromise with our actions, just compromise a little bit. Assuming that if we just compromise a little bit, then we'll get out of the wilderness faster. These two women stand up before us today and they say, look, there is no compromise. When it comes to God, it is more important to be faithful to God than anything else. Ladies in the room, can you imagine, can you imagine what an incredible, powerful force you could be at Christ Church if today you made that same commitment? If every woman in this room and every woman that was in the room earlier, if all of you said today, you know what, in my life, I'm going to follow the example of these two women and I am just going to say, no matter what happens, the most important thing I can do is be faithful to God first. They stood up to Pharaoh. They stood up to the greatest power in the world at that time. They stood up to the guy who could do whatever he wanted. They stood up and said, look, there is nothing more important than being faithful. Imagine. Imagine what we could do if every woman made that commitment. Wouldn't it be awesome? No compromise. Just standing your ground and staying faithful. They stood their ground. They stayed faithful. They got in trouble. Pharaoh called them in, called them on the carpet, and said, "So what's going on? Why aren't you letting the Why are you letting the baby boys live?" Look at their response. These are smart women. They answered, "Well, it's the Hebrew women. <laughs> the Hebrew women they have their babies much quicker than Egyptian women. These Hebrew women are just baby factories. I mean, they just pop that kid right out of there, and by the time we arrive." Their babies are already born. And of course, if the baby is already born, then we can't quietly just get rid of the child. It would, it would just cause a whole ruckus and there'd be a disturbance and there'd be a riot and there, Pharaoh, there'd be all kinds of problems. So, I'm sorry, Pharaoh, we just don't get there in time. Because these Hebrew women are just really great at birthing these babies. What an awesome response, huh? How smart are these women? Now look what happens, verse 20. God was good to the two women. Women, do you want God to be good to you? God was good to the two women because they truly respected him and he blessed them with children of their own. This is awesome. 
God not only blesses them, God not only puts his favor on them, but God blesses them with the exact item that Pharaoh is trying to get rid of. Isn't that incredible? The very same thing that Pharaoh is trying to get rid of, a whole generation of children, God turns around and blesses these women because they stood strong in their faith. And it goes beyond. It says, and the Hebrews kept what? Increasing. You see that? God's favor, even in the wilderness, even in the hardship, even in all that, because they stood and said it's more important to be faithful. God kept putting his favor on them and they kept increasing. It's not done. Pharaoh has another plan. Until finally, the king gave a command to everyone in the nation. Now notice that. This isn't a command just to a couple midwives. This isn't a command even to just his troops. This is a command to every Egyptian person in the kingdom. Every Egyptian person in the kingdom at any time has the responsibility to follow through on this command. As soon as a Hebrew boy is born, throw him into the Nile River. But you can let the girls live. Girls, don't you feel happy about that? Guys take the whack on this one, right? But you you see the power of that statement? At any time, any Egyptian citizen who discovers a boy Hebrew child, an infant, would have every right to rip them out of the arms of the mother and throw them in the Nile. And Pharaoh would be happy. Listen. Evil wants to destroy God's activity. Evil wants to destroy God's activity. And in this case, Pharaoh wants to destroy a whole generation of children. He wants to destroy a whole generation of children. And this text reminds us how incredibly evil humanity can become. It reminds us how terrible we human beings can become. How cruel we can be, how hard-hearted we can be, how self-serving we can be. It reminds us that humanity has the potential to be so cruel that men could fly airplanes into towers filled with people. That's how evil we can be. And it reminds us that that evil didn't exist just back in Pharaoh's day. But it's alive and well and working in this world today. The experience, the wilderness that these people are experiencing back then, the evil and the hardship and the self-centeredness and the cruelty and the violence. It's not an old story. It's an everyday story. I mean, those of you that are older, can you ever imagine when you went to high school walking through metal detectors before you went into school? And it's commonplace today. I mean, look around at the world today. Look at the reality of culture today. 
Is it any different? The reality is that evil still wants to get rid of a whole generation of kids. Evil still wants to wipe out a whole generation of kids who believe and love Jesus Christ. And our kids are born into the same kind of violence. They're born into the same kind of prejudice. They're born into the, the same kind of slavery. They're born into the, into the difficulties of violence in schools and drug and alcohol abuse and sexual pressure. They're born into the temptation that comes along with the Internet. They're born into all of that stuff. The darkness of the world is still there. And it's still trying to wipe out a whole generation of kids. But look at this mom. Look at this one mom. It says in the text that she looked at her son and saw how beautiful this child was. What we see here is the courage of one woman, a mother's courage in the wilderness, because a man from the Levite tribe married a woman of the same tribe, and they had a baby boy. Can you imagine what she thought, what went through her heart and her mind when that child was born, and the midwife at the other end said, It's a boy! Oh my gosh. A boy born into the same world, born into the slavery, born into the violence, born into all of that stuff. And yet when the mom looked at that boy, it says he was a beautiful child and she kept him inside for three months. She looked at her child and didn't concentrate on all of the ugliness of the world. She looked at her child and she saw how incredible that child was. Moms and dads, lesson for today. You ready? When you look at your kids... Don't look at their faults. They've got them. So do you. Don't look at their faults. Don't concentrate on their weaknesses. Don't concentrate on what they are not. Look at them and concentrate on how incredible, how beautiful, how wonderful they are in the eyes of God. Look with God's eyes and look at them and see everything that they can become. Moses' mom looked at that child and said, wow, this is an incredible kid. She looked at him and said, this is a kid worth being courageous for. This is a kid worth standing up to Pharaoh for. This is a kid worth putting my life at risk for. This kid can change the world. He could save his people. She looked at that child and said, he is awesome, incredible, and beautiful. And because of it, she put her life on the line and she risked everything for at least three months. At any point in time, in those three months, remember, every Egyptian person was given one responsibility. If you see a Hebrew child, if you hear a Hebrew child, if you know there is a Hebrew baby boy, go take the boy and throw him where? In the Nile. Get rid of him. For three months, three months, she lived putting everything at risk because she knew what this child could become. There are all kinds of kids at risk. And it takes people to step forward in courage and say they are worth the risk. Now listen, I know there's some folks uh, in, in the church right now 
who, uh, you know, they look at the plans and they've maybe been up to the new building and they look and they say, wow, look at all this space dedicated to children and youth. Look at all that space, these big rooms for kids. You know what? We could not do anything else. We could not do anything else because darkness is trying to wipe out a whole generation of kids still, and it is winning. Evil is claiming more young people in our world today. The darkness has its hold on young people today, and it's going to take a mom and some women and a congregation who steps up with courage and says, I don't care what the risk is. I don't care what the cost is. I don't care whatever it's going to take. I will put it on the line and I'll make a difference to save that generation. Because we know if we can save this generation and bring them to faith in Christ Jesus, they will save another generation and they will save another generation and they will save another generation. And they can change the world. We can't do anything else, guys. We have to be those people who express the same kind of courage of a mother because I look at all those kids out there and I know what they can become. And they are in a wilderness battle. And we are in the same battle for their hearts and for their souls. Uh, recent studies said that... Uh, 50% of a child's attitude and character is established by the time they're three years old. Isn't that awesome? 50% by the time they're three years old. We can't waste any time because the darkness doesn't. It tries to reach our kids as fast as it can. We need to take a lesson from Moses' mother and be people who are ready to be courageous and step up for those kids. Now, the difficulty is there's going to come a time for us and you moms out there probably fear this in some ways. There comes a time when those three months come up and you got to be able to let the kids go. The text says that after three months, when she could no longer keep him hidden, she made a basket out of reeds and covered it with tar. And then she became a mother who was willing to simply trust. She did everything she could. She gave this child every opportunity she could give him for three months. She even went out and got the best she could get for this child. Yeah, it was only some reeds and mud and tar, but she surrounded him and encompassed him with absolutely everything she could bring to create as safe a place for him, as absolutely, to give him as much possibility for a future as she could possibly give him. But then it says she put him in the basket and she placed it in the tall grass along the edge of the Nile River. And the baby's older sister stood off at a distance to see what would happen to him. Finally, Moses' mother had to trust God more and just put him afloat on the river. Now, what's so fascinating about it, remember what Pharaoh said you were supposed to do if you're an Egyptian? If you're an Egyptian and you see an infant boy, what are you supposed to do? Throw him in the Nile. This mother puts her most precious child in all of his future and everything she knows God has in store for him. And she puts it on the very same river that Pharaoh has said is supposed to destroy him. Isn't that awesome? She trusts God 
She just trusted God and said, I'll put him in that dangerous place. I'll put him on the very place that Pharaoh wants destruction because I simply trust that God has more in this child's life and a future for him. And we see by the story, of course, God does. In fact, an amazing thing happens that God uses now another woman and brings another mother into Moses' life. Another woman, another mother enters in and becomes used by God. And she's not even one of God's own. It says, about that time, one of the king's daughters came down to take a bath in the river while her servant women walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket in the tall grass and sent one of the young women to pull it out of the water. So fascinating. Now Pharaoh's own daughter becomes one that God uses to preserve the life and the action of Moses. It says, When the king's daughter opened the basket, she saw the baby and felt sorry for him because he was crying. She said, This must be one of the Hebrew babies. Now think about this. She knew it was a Hebrew baby. What was she supposed to do? Take him out of the basket and throw him in the Nile. She stood up and defied her own father. And she didn't even know God. She stood up and defied her own father. Why? Simply, the text says, because she had a heart for the child. She had sorrow. She had compassion. She had a softness of heart for this child. Women, listen to me today. There are all kinds of kids who are around you every single day and they are out there dog paddling as best they can to stay afloat in the Nile. And it is trying to swallow them up. And they're waiting. They're waiting for a woman to have a heart for them and compassion for them and to reach out for them and lift them up. They're waiting for somebody to get involved in their life because the darkness is trying to slay, enslave them. The darkness is trying to destroy them. And it's going to take people like you who know God and have a heart that is soft and tender for children to reach out and lift them up. Now look what God does. God gets involved again in an amazing way. It says, at once the baby's older sister came up and asked, do, do, do you want me to get a Hebrew woman to take care of the baby for you? Yes, the king's daughter. God's provision takes over now for Moses. Not only does a, a woman come in to be his mother who doesn't even know God, who just simply has a heart that's soft for children, but now his sister steps in and says, oh, I got the perfect woman to help you raise this, your child. Isn't that awesome? And what happens? God brings Moses, this baby, back into the opportunity of being really fed by his own birth mother. And she's a mother who gives more than just breast milk. The text says, So the girl brought the, baby, uh, the, the baby's mother, and the king's daughter told her, Take care of this child, and I will pay you. The baby's mother carried him home and took care of him. Moses' mother now takes Moses back home. 
Not only does she feed him, but she strengthens him. She pours into him more than just milk. She gives him faith. She pours into him the identity of being one of God's own people. And we see it come out later on when he's a grown man and he sees a Hebrew being beaten by an Egyptian and he steps in to defend God's people. Where did that come from? That came from his mother. His mother, who had this time to pour into him the most important thing she could pour into him. Moms, today I suspect some of you out there are probably going to get some gifts. You think so? Moms, you think so? I hope so, maybe. Kind of good. Okay, it's all right. Yeah, you may get some. I don't know. But guess what? Thank you. That's Morris code for... <laughs> that's Morris code for... God says, get, it, get your attention. Moms, listen. You have so much more to give than anything you're going to get today. And the most important thing you can do today is to make sure your children hear why you love Jesus Christ. Because they're going to face a wilderness. They're going to. They're going to face a wilderness. And the world is going to try to get a hold of them and drown them in the Nile. And you've got to give them that strength and that power to stand up to Pharaoh. You've got to give them that faithfulness that says throughout their whole life, the most important thing I can do with my life is serve Jesus Christ. You have got a gift. Make sure before the day is done that you take the courage step to stand up and say, it's more important today that I be faithful and share my faith. Make sure that you trust God more and you take that step and you put your children in God's hands first. Make sure you take that step today and you say you're going to trust God more and you're going to let God use you today to bring into your child's life Jesus Christ. Because they will face a wilderness and the only thing that will help them endure is the gift you can give them. It says for Moses, when he was old enough, she took him to the king's daughter who adopted him and she named him Moses because she said, I pulled him out of the water. You see, the day came for Moses' mother when she had to let go. That day comes, Mom. That day comes when you've got to just let go. Let go. And the only thing you can do is trust and know that you surrounded them with everything you could possibly surround them with. You brought into their life everything you could possibly bring them and that you brought them the most valuable person to ever live, Jesus Christ. We see it happen later on in this last one. We see it happen later on when Paul is writing to a young guy named Timothy. It's in 2 Timothy. It says, I also remember the genuine faith of your mother Eunice. Your grandmother Lois had the same sort of faith. And I am sure that you have it as well. How could Paul be sure of that? I mean, how could he be sure that Timothy had that kind of faith? He was sure because he knew Eunice and he knew Lois. And he knew they would want their child to have everything. And the most important thing, faith in Jesus Christ.
George Washington once said, I owe everything I am to my mother. Moses could have said, I owe that I am to my mother. Moms, what will your child say when they're in the wilderness? Give them the gift. Let's pray.